on screen podcast this is our very first episode uh we're just going to go over a few movies that we like some writers directors and some of our uh favorite things we've seen this year and then we'll go ahead and review 127 hours later uh which stars james franco of course uh my name is manny larios my name is joseph gentilali and i'm john gentilali all right so let's kick it off with some of our favorite movies um personally uh two that came to mind were some of my classic favorite movies uh halloween which was uh of course back in 78 directed by john carpenter and uh back to the future um i always uh people ask me what my favorite movies are i always have a tough time saying in order like what are my favorite movies because there's tons of different genres but i always say my favorite movies are by quentin tarantino pt anderson and stanley kubrick would you be able to pick like a favorite movie from each director right now yeah uh, if I had to say, uh, without a doubt, you know, this is your favorite movie, I would say it's Magnolia. Um, such a great movie, ensemble cast, uh, Tom Cruise as one of his best performances. And... <laughs> John disagree? No, I totally agree. <laughs> Why the laugh? Because he's, I mean, I honestly haven't seen that in its entirety, but I, I did see the Tom Cruise parts, and I saw the special features with Tom Cruise in them, and it was, uh probably one of his funniest roles uh the first thing that came to mind when you said quentin tarantino was kill bill uh probably not not well known for that movie but one of my personal favorites uh after i saw kill bill uh i thought it was my favorite tarantino movie but then every time i go revisit pulp fiction it's pulp fiction's just such an awesome movie it's definitely and, what he's known for yeah and since then and glorious bastards came out you know last year and that's uh probably his best movie his most mature movie and uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's most mature, but it's still ridiculous. I mean, mature in uh, the dialogue, how long the scenes play out. Like that's, I think that's the movie he's always been trying to make, is what I meant. I think the bar scene lasts about 25, 30 minutes with just people sitting around a table talking. And that's what Tarantino is known for, you know, his dialogue. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about uh, dialogue in movies? Most of the movies, or the movies I like the most are just people talking, just building characters, finding out, you know, about the, what's going on with all the characters, and obviously everyone likes action movies and, you know, fun movies too. I think the best thing that came out of that movie was Kristoff uh, Waltz. Yeah. Uh, great performance. Probably my favorite great. part of the movie. Yeah. And what's he doing now? Green Hornet? Green Hornet. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to go from, uh, from a Tarantino movie to, uh, I'm not sure who's directing Green Hornet. But Michelle I Gondry. I just don't see it being yeah. at that level. Well, like the first trailer, I wasn't too impressed. And with the Comic-Con footage, and I think they even showed some of it in 3D at Comic-Con, and it wasn't too impressive. But I haven't seen the latest trailer, but a lot of people are saying the latest trailer is good. And I'm going to see a Michelle Gondry movie. I mean, Seth Rogen movies are pretty much always good. I mean, I'll see that one. <laughs> they were really pushing the 3D in that one, too, at the Comic-Con panel. And it seemed like they were embarrassed that they didn't shoot it in 3D. At the panel, they were they said it about maybe 10 different times, like, we're taking a long time to post-convert this to 3D. You know, it's going to be worth it. Just you, you wait and see. And then they showed the footage. It was okay. And then we, we saw another uh, film at uh, that same Comic-Con panel, it was uh, Drive Angry yeah. with Nicolas Cage, and 
that one was actually shot in 3D, and it looked a lot better than the Green Hornet did. Yeah, the, the reason why I think the 3D could be good in that movie is because of Michelle Gondry's visual style. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was an awesome movie, and I, I mean, he's a very creative director, and I think he, he knows what he's doing, and I think he'll put out a good film. What else has he done besides Eternal Sunshine? Um, he did Be Kind, Rewind. Uh, I personally like that movie. Yeah. Um, he was a, I can't remember, think off the top of my head, but he was a video, uh, a music video director. Now, how do you guys feel about 3D uh, being the latest uh, thing in Hollywood right now? I personally, other than Avatar, haven't seen a good live action 3D movie. I mean, I saw the last one I saw was Piranha 3D, and it was oh, it was. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that movie. But from the people that I've heard have, who have watched it, like yourself, uh, pretty ridiculous. I mean, it was it was kind of a fun movie, but as far as the 3D goes, it was just okay. John, did you get a chance to I've, see that? I never saw Piranha. I'm waiting for Tron to come out in 3D. Hopefully, that'll be good. That's uh, probably one of the last uh, movies that I'm anticipating this year. What's another movie with Jeff Bridges coming out? Uh, true, true, true Grit. Is that scheduled to come out this year? That's uh, the week of re- right before Christmas. Uh, so the Coen Brothers movie. Two good movies left. Yeah. Hopefully. And The Black Swan. Yeah. Well, getting back to the 3D point, I myself haven't really seen too many in 3D, except for recently I saw Jackass 3D, and that one was very fun and pretty ridiculous, and the 3D was actually pretty good in it. Was that shot in 3D or converted, you know? I don't know. I, I think they they said they were using the same type of uh, technology as Avatar, but I don't know if they were just messing around when they were saying that or what, but I haven't really looked into it. But other than that, I saw Up in 3D, and they they didn't really go for the... Uh, they didn't really go all out as far as the, you know, things sticking out of the screen and stuff like that. It was really subtle, and you really forgot that it was even there after a while, but... 3D in general, I like, but I mean, I, I could see if it, I could see it dying, and you know, it's definitely a gimmick. It, it definitely sells tickets. It's I know a box when a movie, office in, thing. yeah, when a movie comes out in 3D, I uh, will probably watch it in 3D, just because of the whole uh, atmosphere that it, that goes into it. You know, you go to the theaters, you want to experience something fun, so you think the the closest way to get to that film or to relate to it is to watch it in 3D. But there's there's only a couple that I can think of that that were really worth while watching in 3D. What kind of bothers me about it is that when now TVs are starting to become 3D now and, and these big companies, you know, Sony, they're coming out with a, with 3D HD TVs and I'm not sure that so sure that's going to take off just because when you're in a theater, you go to a movie to just watch a movie and that's it. All you're doing is watching the movie and I, I can understand wearing glasses and sitting through a 3D movie like that but when you're at home and you want to go grab a Coke or a beer, you know, you just... You have these glasses on, and it's it's a burden at times. You know? The problem with 3D is that um, <clears throat> in the household, it just doesn't make sense. You know, you still are required to wear glasses. Currently, the only things on the market that are capable of playing in 3D are very uh, expensive equipment. Uh, I believe a pair of extra 3D glasses for, like, a Sony-enabled uh, 3D TV is about $300. So, yeah. Um, and realistically, what's going to happen when you watch, say, something like the Super Bowl, and you have 15, 20 people over, that's, that's about 20 grand of, of equipment right there. So I don't, I don't think 3D is going to be mainstream as we think it is 
for another five to ten years uh, and until technology allows us to watch 3D movies without glasses it'll really take off so right now I personally think it's more of a gimmick and uh, to sell tickets it's definitely a theater thing well it's working so I don't think it's gonna go away anytime. But I still think future. I still think the way to if you're gonna do a 3D movie, I think it should be shot in 3D. Well, like I, I, said, I remember you... seeing a, an article. Um, James Cameron was dissing the Piranha 3D guys, and uh, uh, James the... Cameron is proud of Avatar. <laughs> Let's just get that out of here. <laughs> he is proud that he shot that movie entirely in 3D. So uh, I can see why he takes it some somewhat personal. Anyways, the Piranha 3D guys they they fired back at him and said, "Look, not all of us have a." Two hundred three million, two hundred three hundred million dollar budget to work with. So, I mean, we get, we had to, you know, film it in two D and then post. Yeah, yeah, but I'm guessing it's cheaper to convert it to three D, right? Although it's more I, time consuming as well. Uh, well, I think I'm not sure of the full technology, but I know filming in three D is very difficult and time consuming. So, I mean, the post conversion is the cheaper way to do it. Um, the other thing about James Cameron is he's converting. Like, I know he's talking bad about the con- whole conversion thing, but He's actually converting Titanic to 3D, but it's taking him like five years to do it. Or it's, I mean, I don't. It's a long it's, process. It's, yeah. Definitely. So I mean, unless he can get everyone back on the set and, to reshoot Titanic in 3D, and, <laughs> <laughs> I think that would probably be faster. And, and the you know the the films that are like uh, Last Airbender and uh, Class of the Titans, those films were converted over a very short period of time. I mean, at least like with the Green Hornet, it's uh, you know taking. A good amount of time to convert it. I mean, that movie's been pushed back several times. I don't know if the reason is for the 3D conversion, but that's probably part of the reason. So, by the way, what you're hearing there is a hookah going off. Um, we're gonna try it out for the first episode. If, if it turns out that it doesn't come out that good, uh, we'll probably scrap it for the next. Yeah, uh, so all that bu- bubbling in the background is uh, we're smoking a hookah while we're talking. Mm-hmm. I'm meant to be. Yeah. So earlier we, uh, I kind of went over or rushed through the uh, movies that I like. Uh, let's let's go back to one of them, Back to the Future, uh, probably a cult classic, one of my personal favorites. Uh, Robert Zemeckis. What do you guys think of his movies? Um, I mean, Back to the Future is a fun movie. I mean, it's, I'm not the biggest fan of that movie, but I enjoy it when I watch it. It's not a movie I revisit too often. Are you talking about the trilogy as a whole, or are you just? That's a good question, you know. <laughs> I tend to like trilogies as a whole, but I would probably have to say that uh, it goes in order, I would say, for me. One, two, three. One, two, three. Uh, it's, see, I go back and forth. See, here we go again. Maybe two, one, three. Three is definitely my least favorite. I think it is uh, my least favorite. But what do you guys think of his other work, like uh, Forrest Gump or Castaway? Um, <laughs> Has it been a while I, since you guys... Uh, I mean, they're, they're all good movies. It's but, been a while since I've seen Castaway, but... Forrest Gump is definitely his most original work, I think, and has Hanks in it. <laughs> but what we really need is a Hanks return to comedy. <laughs> yeah, we do definitely. Well, he, he's well, got, that, what, he's what, got some appearances on Conan, you know. So that's that's the most we're gonna get out of him. Anytime he's not on screen, he uh, he always has his comedic persona right. about him. And John, any mind to come to mind as your uh, personal favorite? My favorite movies, um, let's see, top five, rounded off, Terminator 2 is number one, it has been for... Going very... back to James Cameron there, right? <laughs> <laughs> James... Others have the, the same taste here. I, I hear he's like... a real jerk in real life. But, uh, as long hey, as... listen, man, if James Cameron comes knocking on your door to uh, make a movie with him, I'm sure anyone would take <laughs> that opportunity. But T2 is uh, by far my favorite movie. Everything about that movie, pretty much. 
No, I'm guessing you've seen that in probably all types of formats, VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. That's correct. Uh, I remember watching the Blu-ray edition with you at home, and uh, it's probably, uh, I would say, one of the top Blu-ray conversions. Definitely. Uh, th as far as uh, that, actually, what, what made me enjoy this movie even more is the commentary that he did. The, probably the mm -hmm. best commentary track I've ever heard on it. James Cameron's good on all his commentaries, actually. How, how many has I, he... Uh, he doesn't really do a lot of commentary. Um, when he does he's it. commentary for, for Titanic and T2 are the ones I've listened to, and they're okay. both very good. I, I think those are actually his only two commentaries. Are they? Yeah, I don't okay. think he's it's, known for uh, talking about his work. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, I think actually I've heard somewhere, uh, might have been from you guys or either uh, someone else, that he, uh, the only reason why he commentated on Titanic was because it was kind of forced by the studio yeah. for the release. It was like saying. a special edition DVD. It's like <laughs> a three-disc. He was just saying that the film should speak for itself. <laughs> actually, actually, um, if you go back and watch it, I remember specifically him saying the very first shot of Titanic, he says, uh, well, the studio wanted me to make this uh, commentary, so here it goes. <laughs> right? yeah. I think it's something along those lines, so... He even says that himself during the movie. Yeah, and there's, surprisingly, there's no uh, commentary in the Avatar. The, even they, the, the latest release, the special edition 40-disc Avatar <laughs> version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's mostly uh, extra scenes in the making. Yeah, which is a bummer. I was kind of looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as uh, other movies, number two would have to be Total Recall. Another Arnold movie. <laughs> How do you feel about uh, Colin Farrell uh, casted for uh, the remake of Total <laughs> oh, Recall? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, every time I... Honestly, I haven't seen a Colin Farrell movie in quite some time, uh, so I can't really... Uh, there's a movie came out a couple years ago called In Bruges. It was a... Yeah. No, I, I know that's got really good reviews. Yeah, that's a good movie, yeah. The, to the original Total Recall is... What's that movie with Colin Farrell and... Where he is stuck inside of a telephone booth. A phone booth. <laughs> yeah. Would you say? Would you say it's superior to his work in phone booth? <laughs> I've only seen parts of phone booth on TV. I've never actually watched the whole. Boy, movie. have you missed out? <laughs> uh, I actually, I thought, really I thought it was a good movie. Actually, yeah. I heard it's actually a good movie. <laughs> We're all bagging on it. It's actually, a legitimately good movie. Actually, for all I know. Um, we were talking about Total Recall, the yeah. new Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's directing it or or anything like that. I just know it was it's scheduled for 2012 or something. I don't, like that. I don't even know. Yeah. And it's still in like early development. I don't even know if it's greenlit yet. Yeah. But the original one's a pretty awesome movie. I don't know. I like the fact that the ending is still uh, you know mysterious. It could, you could come up with two different explanations and they could both be right. So. Yeah, Those are the movies that I enjoyed uh, personally. Yeah. That's why we're still talking about that movie today, Total Recall. It's just because the, the ending, it, I mean, it, it leaves questions, and if that if that movie were to answer the question at the end, whether he was actually in Recall or not, then you know, it probably wouldn't be as fun to look to look back on, you know, twenty years from. Ago. So if I uh, not including any of the Terminator movies or Total Recall, what's the next movie that comes to mind with Arnold Schwarzenegger for you? <laughs> right now, you just thought of it. Kinnear and Cobb. Yeah, but uh, it's probably a completely different genre yeah. from Total Recall and Terminator. The, the next say. Arnold movie. Now that I have more than two seconds to think about it, probably True Lies. Another James Cameron <laughs> combo. So we got James Cameron and Arnold uh, topic. I'm here. a fan of popcorn movies. Good popcorn movies. No, as, as 
some of you might know, there's been some rumors circulating that when Arnold is done with office, that uh, he's been in talks with uh, <laughs> Cameron for a, uh, True Lies 2. Yeah, yeah. That'll happen or not, you know. I doubt it. I mean, Cameron's doing a... Cameron has, like, his next seven films to find out. Yeah. Like, 20 films. And one of them is True Lies 2 with Arnold, so I don't know if that's going to happen. No, Avatar 2 and 3 are already scheduled for 2014 and 15, mm-hmm. so... But it's another five years before he's done with that. Whether Arnold will come back to acting, I don't know, but... I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking to our friend Christian. He was saying that uh, you know this governor run may have been what Arnold needs to reboost his uh, his acting career. Because if you look at his his past few movies, uh, his... Uh, what was it? Uh, collateral Damage. Uh, I can't think of the, his past few off the top of my head, but they were... Really? Terminator 3? Terminator 3. <laughs> Terminator 3 was one of his Terminator last Terminator Salvation, if you include his CGI performance. <laughs> <laughs> but, th- I mean, those are really lackluster movies, and they didn't do too well at the box office, and it was a surprise oh, yeah, the to Arnold. End of Days. End of Days. It was a surprise to everyone. He's got a, you know... But I, I think that this governorship, it may just turn out turn out his career. Regardless of what you think of him in office, he's definitely had some entertaining movies in his career. <clears throat> and I definitely hope to see him in uh, more in the future when he's done with that. I mean, he was the man back in late 80s, early 90s. Well, you know, uh, you know? <laughs> Sylvester Stallone kind of stepped up to the plate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> current releases, so it's kind of like these action stars are making a comeback. I loved Rambo, the latest Rambo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Expendables was okay, but it wasn't as good. Expendables had a ridiculous cast of action stars. <laughs> uh... I mean, you know, I've, I've heard people say that they would never watch that movie, but it's one of those movies that you just have to watch. I don't know about that. I, I was saying before I love popcorn movies, and this is definitely one of those. But it, well, it I know we were all excited to watch it, not necessarily because we thought it would be a good film in those terms, but because of the cast uh, and just the ridiculous scenes that they had. Yeah, but even then, like even then, like the cast was pretty much Stallone and Statham, yeah. and everyone else was minor. For the most part. That's when it comes to the movie, yeah. Uh, for the hype of yeah, the movie. Yeah, the hype of the movie, yeah. For uh, all the press conferences that they had and whatnot. I mean, we were, we were there for the uh, Comic-Con panel uh, when <laughs> they introduced uh, Terry the majority Cruz, of the like, cast. freaking out on the stage. Exactly. <laughs> That's weird. And kind of going back to Arnold, tying into it, you know, when Arnold appeared in the movie, you know, the whole crowd popped, you know? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of uh, Arnold fans out there. I'd like to see him on the big screen. I was not a fan of The Expendables. Let's say that. (laughs) Because... Well, I definitely wouldn't rank it as one of my favorite films. (laughs) I think it was uh, definitely an experience. The thing that Sylvester Stallone knows how to do is he knows how to shoot violent action. Yes. (laughs) Now, if you're into action movies, that's definitely... Like, especially with his last two, Rambo and Expendables, there's some very violent graphic scenes, and it's pretty awesome when it happens. But, I mean... Dialogue was pretty bad. They tried too hard to put in those one-liners, and I think Randy Couture needs to retire right now from acting. <laughs> retire and, from and, and, and acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, every time he said a line. Well, I don't even know what he's been in besides The Expendables and The Scorpion King. No, too. I actually watched a Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Netflix. I like Seagal movies, actually, even the bad ones. And he was like a bodyguard or something or security guard or I don't even remember if he had a line or not. But and also funny was Chloe Moretz was in that movie too as like (laughs) she was like seven or eight. It's pretty funny to see 
or in a Steven Seagal movie. I think, oh, it's called Today You Die. <laughs> <laughs> Today You Die. And they actually do say Today You Die. I don't know in the why movie. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know why uh, Sylvester Stallone's I See just came to mind. I guess I just, <laughs> I guess I just tied it together with Netflix. I think, and, I think we all we uh, went on like a Stallone uh, yeah. marathon. marathon. Yeah, we definitely did for a while. Also Even, known as Detox, if you're looking up on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> two, two different titles. A lot of good times. We, we never really got to the bottom which one it was actually called. Either I See You. E-Y-E-C. What would you say the movie would say its title should be? <laughs> well, I don't even remember. I don't remember it that well enough. Detox. <laughs> what's it? What's it kind of uh, leveraging for us here? I it, think there's an eye removed in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's eye. If I remember right. <laughs> yeah, not, not fans of spoilers uh, here, but uh, I, I think if you haven't seen the movie in uh, ten years after its release, then it's it's on you. Well, I see you. It's pretty obscure. <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah, I think if it, if it wasn't for the eye being removed from a person, I don't think there's any other uh, reference to I, I see you. Either might I don't remember it. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think a more appropriate title would be detox. I guess. <laughs> Whatever. But now Dr. Dre has to compete with that. So. <laughs> All right. Any other movies that come to mind? Um, uh, as far as switching genres, I mean, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Or the comedies go, Step Brothers. How do you uh, feel about uh, Adam Sandler's latest work? Oh, boy. Compared to some of his <laughs> earlier work. I saw Grown Ups. This is a whole episode yeah. in its own. Right? <laughs> I saw Grown Ups in the theater. and Now, did you go to the theater to watch that in hopes that it would be a funny movie? Or is it more yeah, of an it, Adam Sandler fan that you kind of had to see? It was a little bit of both. I mean, it was. it's directed by the same guy as Billy Madison and Abby Gilmore, I think. And... All the, uh, you know, a lot of the same stars. It had uh, Steve Buscemi in it, who was actually pretty good in it. He was the only I good like part. Buscemi. Of that Buscemi's film. good in anything. <laughs> but <clears throat> the jokes are just—I don't know. I just didn't either. I didn't get them, or I, I've grown up a little, or I don't—I don't know. Grown ups. Grown ups. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it did the way around. I think that Adam Sandler has grown up, and we're still kind of stuck. <laughs> I think it's more of the other way around. <laughs> I don't know, but Billy Madison is such an awesome movie. Billy I remember Madison's when, when we were when we were younger. I think we rented that movie from Blockbuster like fifty times. Or, I mean, yeah, we could have bought it like ten times over. But I don't know why we didn't. We just kept on renting it. <laughs> I, actually, I I think I actually remember seeing that movie in the theater. A double bill with Billy Madison and. Uh, Oh, what's the what is it called? Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I mean, thinking double back, feature. yeah, that was such a that's such an awesome double feature. Thinking back to those days when that kind of comedy was still around, but yeah, recent comedies, Step Brothers was awesome. <laughs> One of my favorites. Oh yeah, definitely. John C. Riley, probably his <laughs> best work. But I, John actually, C. Riley, I, I'll take awesome. it. I wouldn't say if it's if it's it's his best work in general, but definitely definitely his best. Comedic, comedic role. <laughs> I mean, he's funny in a lot of movies that aren't really comedies, like Boogie Nights. He's hilarious in that movie. <laughs> Another <laughs> great movie, by the way. Yeah, not a comedy. <laughs> not a comedy. Know, there's but, some, but it's, there's it's, some a lot of funny stuff in that. But I mean, yeah. I, I like to think that we like to find humor in anything, <laughs> especially when John C's involved. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's move on uh, to uh, TV shows. Now that we've kind of talked about movies for a while go over some of our favorite TV shows. Uh, I think this podcast will really focus on, on movies and TV shows, and we'll kind of go back and forth. 
we're gonna try and find what works best for us. But why don't we go over some of our personal favorite shows from you know from the vault? I would say <laughs> <laughs> either either current or older TV shows. First and foremost, I would say Lost. Yes, I think we would all agree <clears throat> that that's probably the number one show, or all of us here would agree at least. Now, Lost is, I think everyone knows that we're all huge fans of Lost, but it's got mixed reviews. Especially either, season six. Either people love it or hate it. Uh, why do you guys think that is? Is it too, does it uh, ask too much of the viewer when it comes to a lot of the mythology in Lost, or, or is it really far-fetched that people just don't like it? Well, there's, I think there's a couple different ways you could look at it. I mean, there, there are some people who just don't get it. Uh, there, there are people who aren't sci-fi fans, and it started off kind of as a drama, and they got into it, and then they're like, eh, I don't know about this, getting a little too sci-fi for me. And it, it, it's not, you have to keep up with the storyline. And a lot of a lot of people watch TV, and they just want to put something on, <laughs> laugh at something, and turn it off. Or, you know, like I think one of, one of the most common reasons why people stopped watching Lost was season one with the polar bear. <laughs> That's something that I, I come across by quite often. Uh a stupid reason, in my opinion, but the main reason, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Lost. Uh, the worst part of Lost is that it ended. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I'm glad that they kind of didn't stretch it out, and they knew exactly what they were going to do with the show, and, and, and went that route. Yeah, it's probably my favorite show of all time. It is my favorite show of all time. And, uh, I don't know, it just started with the characters. I started actually watching it live season four. I caught up through season three on DVD. And was hardcore following it. Like when I was when I was watching it, my whole week would I would spend just you know listening to podcasts about Lost and just thinking about the theories. And that was a pretty big part of the show. It was a really fun. Exactly. I think the, the, one of the biggest uh, parts of the show uh, is just the community. Yeah, that and it, Lost had. the fact that it didn't end once the show ended. You yeah, know, exactly. You could spend hours thinking about it, talking about it. It's one of the shows that you have to talk to people about because there's so much that you get in an episode. You just want to talk to everyone and it's think it through with your friends. And Definitely a water cooler show where everyone gathers around and just talks about it the next day. I mean, a lot of people complained the fact that a lot of stuff wasn't answered in the end. Like, they set too much up and, you know, they didn't answer everything. And the way I think about it is it doesn't matter. There's so many questions that you don't even want the answer to. It's better left for us to think about and I can come up with explanations for things and they might be right they might not but that's kind of like we were talking about Total Recall you know there's certain things that are better left unanswered and the times that they did answer the questions you know everyone complained like when they gave us Adam and Eve and Who Men in Black was who man, yeah that Across the Sea episode the whole thing like was I mean the writer said this is how we answer questions and you know a lot of people didn't like that so I mean, for the most part, they they answered the questions the way they did, you know, over time. And the finale was absolutely awesome, though. <laughs> I agree. A tear or two was shed. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> right, other uh, favorite TV shows? Uh, you know, um, by default, Dexter uh, became my favorite TV show after Lost ended. Uh, that's something that I got into uh, because of you guys. I actually started watching Dexter, I believe, season two. Uh, I came by and you guys were watching that and uh, it was pretty intriguing so I, I got hooked instantly uh, going back to Lost really quick <laughs> uh, 
I pride myself in being probably the only one that I know of that started watching this show from the pilot. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm happy that I got you guys into it. Because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I would have done if I Yeah, hey, I got you into Heroes. Yeah? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> You know, give Heroes hey, credit where it's due. Heroes was one, Season one was awesome. And then went down I could rewatch that again. So. <laughs> I like to think that Heroes went down after the. Uh, I actually strike. watched every episode, and I there were still parts of it that were good yeah. throughout season four or whatever it ended on. And well, I think season two. Season two during, was bad during that time, though. <laughs> I mean, during that time when Lost was still in the air, I believe probably season three or four, and Heroes was on. It was nothing but uh, Lost and Heroes people were talking about. And at one point, people would compare them both, and they were at the same, uh, you know, level of creativity, but eventually it kind of fell off the map, which is kind of disappointing because I was a fan of Heroes. Yeah, well, once, uh, I think his name's Brian Fuller, was one of the main writers. Once he left the show is yeah, when it went he, downhill. He, he went, went to, he, he did, did uh, a... Pushing Daisy, Yeah, right? yeah. And I haven't watched, I've watched a couple episodes of that, and it's pretty good. I haven't got a chance to actually watch through that series, but I hear it's good, and from what I saw, it was pretty good, too, so... I think he came back for the last season to do, a like, a consultant or some something like that. I think and it was uh, just too late by the time he came back. I mean, there there's some good stuff in Season 4. <clears throat> there's some good stuff in Season 3, too, but it just... No, uh, let's not talk about heroes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, we'll move on. Any other like, TV shows you want like, to mention? Current favorite TV show is Breaking Bad. Absolutely awesome show on AMC. The character uh, is... I, I can't even think of his name right now. But uh, Yeah, you really like this show. <laughs> <laughs> sure it, it hasn't been on in, I don't know, six months or something. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's Walt. Best show ever. No, but, I mean, from where he starts... To where he ends up at the end of season three is just absolutely amazing. Like, you could never imagine the things that happen in season three would end up happening to this character. He starts out as a chemistry teacher and ends up... I don't want to spoil it for people I haven't seen, but, I mean, I mean, he's a he's a drug manufacturer. He's a cook, what they call it. He cooks crystal meth, and it's just absolutely awesome. Great characters. I mean, I can't say enough about it. Other favorite shows, Manny? Uh, well, let's touch up on Dexter for a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the things that I enjoy about Dexter is that uh, they kind of let you into who the killer is on the very first episode. And it's not a matter of finding out who the killer is. Uh, it's about how they tie Dexter's story with this killer and how it progresses for uh, 12 episodes of a season that keeps you uh, really intrigued on the show. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great series. Uh, John, any thoughts on that? Definitely. Uh, I think it has gotten progressively better throughout the years. It's I mean, definitely one of those shows that, yeah, that just keep, keeps getting better and better. The the, previous, the season that's on right now, I'm not so sure about, but before that, uh, all the special guests were awesome, especially with Gal last season. I think like any uh, show, it, it has a turning point, and I feel like last season's finale was that turning point for Dexter. Uh, after everything that went down in his life and with the uh, death of Rita. Um, Spoiler. Anyway, once again, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> we'll bleep it out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's one of those shows that I am, I'm still a real a huge fan of. Uh, and I just feel like it's getting better. 
So, yeah, season one and two were awesome. Season three was just okay. Which, with the, which one was three again? It was the season was with um. Uh, it was the it had the tree. Uh, the tree trimmer. The tree it trimmer. It wasn't so much about the tree trimmer. It was it, about uh, uh, the dope. Jimmy Smith. The Jimmy Smiths. There yeah. we go. Oh, yeah. They, it it wasn't. It didn't follow up after season two. Season two was like the best. I would say I'm not saying it's the best season, but that story... Nothing against Jimmy Smith's, but season three was probably uh, one of my least favorite, but it definitely picked up during the fourth season with uh, oh, yeah. Lit but, Gal coming in. But I mean, after season two, that was very hard to top because the kill, you know, the search is for Dexter, you yeah. know, he is the killer. And that's something that and, they really haven't played with in a while, it, and, and I think it's something that me personally, I enjoy as a viewer, is is him about to get caught, and how he's going to get uh, away from these. But the, the the one downfall of the show is that you know he's not going to get caught, <laughs> or, you know, he, he's not going to die, you know, the times where he's stuffed in the trunk and he's about to be killed. Like, but that's why they do such so a good called. job, they do, they do a good job because... For a split second, you think that he might. I don't know. The show's called Dexter. They're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if the show, you know, you know, you know, if the show was called Rita, then we're well, definitely not gonna be called Rita now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know what it should be called is Quinn. Uh, I'm, guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing you haven't seen the uh, CBS spinoff called Quinn. Uh, <laughs> no, I've seen it. Wednesday nights, yeah. <laughs> Good show. Uh, so other than Dexter, past TV shows, I guess we can get into now. Uh, the Ali G show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, very f- uh, short episodes. No, I haven't seen some of his uh, original Ali G uh, episodes from the UK. Oh, I've only uh, seen his American work. I wouldn't bother so much with those. I mean, if, 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 you're, if I mean, you're starting off, at least, then, and if you want to know if you like his humor or not, I'm sure a lot of people have seen Borat, but... Start with the ones that were aired on HBO, the, the American ones. Now, he's done a movie for each one of his characters, you know, uh, Ali G, Borat, and Bruno. What's left for uh, Sasha Barco? I heard he was doing something. Another character film, or is it... I don't even remember. I, I read some news a couple weeks ago that said he was in talks to do a new movie. I can't. I, I don't remember, though. But Going back to like Charles, or... I think it might be... I'm how do you guys? Sure. Uh, what do you? How do you guys feel about his first movie, the uh, based on Ali G, <laughs> which is horrible. actually different right, from just, his other two movies? It, it wasn't horrible. It had some funny jokes in it, but it's nothing like Borat or Bruno. Because I mean, the whole point of his character is to be in public with people not knowing he's a fake character. You know that he's acting. Yeah, this was hundred percent scripted. And, yeah, correct. So I mean. I mean it, you know, there's, obviously there's some scripted parts and it does have Borat, Borat moments, and Bruno. But I've I mean, seen, I've seen all of them. Uh, I would agree with you guys that uh, the Ali G movie is, you know, obviously completely scripted and not, yeah, not his best movie. I don't know, but the show HBO show is awesome. There's so many funny moments, memorable <laughs> quotes that we do all the time, and uh, the UK specials. I don't even know exactly what how the format was for the UK. If there was an actual show where you did it like HBO, I've seen a few. There, I think there's three specials, and they're pretty funny. It's Almost on par with the HBO series. Yeah, the, I, I think the Ali G show on or the Ali G show on, on HBO, they actually had you know hundreds of hours of footage to yeah. use, and they, they they chopped it down to you know twenty eight minutes or whatever the episode ran, and there were only you know was it seven episodes per season, and there's only two seasons, so they had a lot of content, and they just kept the best of the best and put that in. Whereas I think in the UK version, it, I don't know, it was, seemed a little 
different. Yeah, but. probably the budget wasn't as much. I don't even know if it really matters in this show, but... Uh, maybe it's slightly different kind of humor, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe he was just trying to target his uh, audience a little better. I'm not sure. Um, any hidden gems you guys have come across uh, recently? As far as films or uh, TV? TV shows, movies, any uh, rediscoveries? If you want to go back to movies, I saw a movie uh, not too long ago called 237, like a, the time 237. It's an Australian movie about a uh, high school. The plot is that at 2.37 p.m., someone is going to commit suicide. And the whole movie is uh, about going through different characters or different people at the high school. And they do, like, kind of interviews with them. And uh, it was directed by, like, a 22-year-old, I believe. And it's a really good movie. I mean, I, I like movies about high school in general. I mean, it's pretty heavy. I really enjoyed it. It was devastating, actually. Like but a thriller or a drama? No, it's a total drama. It's, I mean, it's just, you see what these characters go through in the day, throughout the day, and, I mean, some of the characters are, like, total cliches. It worked for the movie, because, I mean, there are, you know, you can imagine that people like that. TV shows, Hidden Gems. No, it was Dog Bites Man. Oh, yeah, we just <laughs> <laughs> found that on Netflix. <clears throat> That was pretty funny. It's, it's in the it's same, like the allergy type. Yeah, same type of comedy where it's uh, maybe three or four different people that are the only people that are in on it in the show. They're supposed to be a news team, and they interview people, and they don't know that it's fake. But yeah, if you like allergy, Zach Galifianakis is in it. He's pretty hilarious in that. Andrea Savage, who's in a Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe she's also on the. Daily Show with Jon Stewart. She's one of the uh, anchors. Unfortunately, with that show, one season. There's like like, ten episodes, maybe. Maybe even eight. I don't remember. Something like that. But I think uh, I read afterwards on Wikipedia uh, that Galifianakis, he didn't want to do it anymore just simply because he felt bad for the people that... (laughs) (laughs) When he he gets to that point where the the people didn't feel bad. (laughs) The funny thing about Sasha Baron Cohen is I don't think he feels bad at all for those people. I mean, because he keeps doing it. I mean, Bruno is pretty uh, brutal to some people, but... <laughs> um, party Down? Party yeah, down. I still haven't seen season two. They took it off Netflix before I had a chance to that's, watch that's it. That's a really funny show as well. Yeah. That was definitely a surprise. Yeah. It was on uh, Showtime? Or what, what channel was that on? Uh, Stars. Uh, I believe it was Stars. It was a Stars original. Uh, yeah. And they got canceled. I guess anything on stars is a hidden gem. <laughs> Spartacus, I think, yeah. is on stars. Also. Yeah, That's pretty good. I don't know what it is about uh, maybe ratings. Maybe. I think about the Spartacus, Blood and Sand, it was, it was a really good storyline, and the characters were really good, but just the I, the fights, they, they used way too much CG blood. It was just ridiculous, and a lot of slow motion, and the I don't know. Some of it didn't work, but, I mean, overall, it's worth watching because it's a really good story. Were they going for the over-the-top? blood or was it I, yeah it was really over the top blood i don't even i'm sure that's what they wanted and it was they were going for it. i just didn't that part of it didn't work i didn't think other shows just uh talking about past shows hbo shows are uh sopranos and flight of the concords those oh, are some of, of my course, favorites yeah. I I really, enthusiasm. Uh, enthusiasm. I, I, uh, went, uh, well kind of going back further i remember uh you know since we were in uh I believe middle school, high school, Sopranos uh, was on the air. 
<clears throat> and you uh, would always mention it, and I never thought I would ever watch that show. And uh, I don't know what it was, but one day Joseph and I decided to watch the entire series <laughs> <laughs> in one sitting, which is impossible. Uh, it took us maybe we went through it pretty fast, though. Uh, uh, we were, we, it was we probably were about three months. Yeah, months. something like that. It took us two months. Uh, but I'm glad I did. It's probably one of my favorite TV shows, uh, definitely. Holly and Christopher. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that rivalry was awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, going back to uh, leading it to uh, interpretation, uh, the the ending of that show. One of my favorite endings of, of probably anything, movie or, or TV show. Yeah, it's another one that I've, uh, got I've ripped. Ca I've, <laughs> caught myself, uh, I've caught myself going to YouTube and just watching that final scene of The Sopranos. <clears throat> the only bad thing that came out of that is that now the Journey song is absolutely everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was kind of cool that once they, I remember they played it like in clubs and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, it's awesome, this song is back. And then you go back to that same club three months later <laughs> and everyone is singing along with that same song it's like oh um, maybe this is enough of this song because <laughs> that song died for about you know 10 years or so maybe 15 years and then it just made a comeback with that ending remember the uh, I don't know the, the lead, lead singer of Journey what's his name uh, uh, whatever his name is The he, Voice uh, <laughs> he uh, was actually hesitant to allow HBO to use his use the song in the ending of the Sopranos, and he, he demanded that he see the uh, he see the clip <laughs> really? first. Yeah, I've David never Chase, heard about that. Yeah, David Chase uh, wouldn't let him, and somehow they came to terms. I guess. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's move on to uh, what we're really here to talk about, and that's uh, reviewing uh, 127 hours. Uh, starting James Franco. Before we get into the review, why don't we go over some of James uh, Franco's earlier work and uh, and what we think of it. <clears throat> you know, the Spider-Man trilogy, obviously. Um, Gate Night, some of his most recent work. Milk, which, by the way, is an amazing film if you haven't seen it. I thought I think James Franco is a good actor. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of this. I mean, Spider-Man 2 is pretty good as far as him acting. I think Milk, he was really good in Milk. And Pineapple Express... He's hilarious in that movie. <laughs> no, he is a bit. He is a range. I, I, I mean, he's good at knocked up. Too. Either I didn't know this or I don't remember. But I was gonna say, what is he? Who does he play in Knocked Up? Yeah, he, he's uncredited. No, he, he played himself. He uh, he did the, this interview with. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> he was in an interview with uh, Ryan Seacrest. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I was having the hardest time trying to remember what he, uh, what his role was in Knocked Up. Yes, if they needed uh, someone, he he was this movie. I mean, if he can't <laughs> act the part, then the movie's not going to work. And right, you know, so they got someone who he's he's a, I think he's a good actor. Mm -hmm. And you know, directed by Danny Boyle, he made movies like uh, Sunshine, Train Spotting, Slumdog Millionaire. Mm -hmm. Those are all pretty good movies. I like his movies. I'm not the biggest fan. You know, I don't, you know, rewatch the movies too often. But he makes quality movies. 28 Days Later also was pretty good. Kind of uh, going segueing back to uh, TVs and hidden gems. Uh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, James uh, Franco. James yeah, Franco. yeah, he's good in that also. <clears throat> that, but, that was one of his first roles, right? Probably. It's definitely some of his earlier work. Yeah. So anyway, 127 hours. So yeah, what, what did you guys think in general of the movie? Um, really good. Uh, I was most surprised going. I mean, going in, I, I kind of knew a little bit about the storyline, but I, I mean, I, th I think most people going into this movie know 
the storyline. I mean, point, it's based I, on a true story. At and this I, point, I feel that way because it's very limited release. So well, I think people who are going to go watch it kind of know who the story is based on. Anyways, the uh, going into it, I, I thought uh, this might be a little bit boring. Because, I mean, what, what could possibly happen is his, his arm gets trapped in a rock in a little crevice. and I felt the same way going into well, it, you know. I mean, it's going to be an hour and a half. Of, I mean, I kind of, I didn't think that way, but I had... I well, the majority of the movie is definitely filmed in that one spot. Uh, they, they do build build up to it yeah. with him getting there. Uh, but, you know, most of the movie... Just 75% at least of the movie yeah. is just him there. And that was something that kind of... I was wondering going into the movie how they were going to go ahead and uh, keep me interested in the film. Right, and that's what I was surprised most about was the pacing of it, and very pleased with it. The score used in that film, it, it really picked its points and when to use it. And at the the very last scene in the film, it, it was just absolutely perfect point to use it. Perfect uh, choice of score. I'm not sure if it was a original or if it was a just a song, but they did a really good job. Uh, Danny Boyle did a really good job in playing with your uh, emotions. Uh, and I think I, anyone can relate uh, in I that like sense. The fact well, that I don't think any of us can you know, relate <laughs> to that level of frustration. Have, have you not seen my arm? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like the fact that you were kind of going into the character's mind. Like when they were showing the flashbacks, it was like what he was thinking at that time is what it seemed like he was doing. And that was a good way to show, like, you know, break from. Just yeah. showing him in one spot, but actually showing what For he's example, thinking the about. scene where he got invited to that party yeah. uh, by the girls that he uh, came across while rock climbing. Yeah. Uh, he envisioned himself while he was trapped at that party, you know, they, not necessarily flashbacks, but things that he would have been doing yeah. if that yep. wouldn't have happened to him. Yeah. Um, so you, you really see him really subtly throughout the entire movie just start to really diminish and start to really, yeah. you know, bear down and, and just kind of hallucinate and go crazy. And, like, it, it ends up being this, this really... Uh, it, it doesn't happen just with a snap. It just it happens really gradually. And, Five days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, when he first starts out... He, James Franco did, find... did a really good job uh, at the beginning of the movie kind of showing you that he was a really upbeat, yeah. uh, positive kind of guy. And I like the way it started with him leaving the city. Like, you see all these fast foods. You know, it has, like, a three-screen... I kind of you... took it... I took it more of a, you know, life passes you by. Really? Uh, I... That's that's how I took it. I... Once the movie ended... I started thinking back and said, you know, why did they show those scenes? And the way that I took it was that, you know, while he was trapped, you know, life passes you by. And he's having these moments of him thinking of the, the things that he has yet to accomplish, yeah. uh, like getting married and having a, a child. Yeah, I, I took, well, I'm talking about the very first, like, opening when he's, uh, you know, he's getting he's all his tools. Even when he's driving there. And he sees, like, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Wendy's, whatever. Right. And he, I, I took it as like, I'm, you know, this guy isn't, com you know, is more comfortable out in the wild than he is in the city. And he's leaving it all behind to go do what he loves to do. And I like that part. I like the opening song. That was, it fit well. That subtle reference to the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> stuff. Yeah, too bad he didn't the, get uh, it. The, uh, he touched upon his mom getting him the, the, the cheap uh, <laughs> knife, but he wasn't blaming her for that. And I, yeah, like like John was saying about how he progressed throughout the whole the whole five days, is uh, he uh, first thing he does, 
he takes out all his all his belongings and sets them on a rock sets them on a rock and you know what can I I just want to figure this out you know he sets down I don't remember all the tools he had, he had a plan. He, yeah he was trying to figure it out and then you know he tries this he, he tries that he tried everything well he showed a little bit at I mean eventually he did and uh, no it, it was a it seemed like a realistic progression for that character for I mean the real life character it seemed like that's Probably what he actually did. You know, we mentioned earlier how everyone who's going to see this movie probably knows the outcome. Um, that scene where it starts raining because he was so thirsty. <laughs> and they show him getting poured on and just drinking water as much as he could. And then being released. I thought, okay, they're just messing with me because we know this isn't what's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of saw, saw him progress uh, from being positive and trying to come up with a plan to just a sense of frustration throughout that dilemma. Uh, the editing in that film I thought was really well done as well. I remember reading a negative review about how the editing was too spastic and it didn't really make sense, but I thought it worked perfectly. The, uh, to well, capture what the character's going through? Or? Right, and, and the, uh, the split screens that they had, they, they had a three uh, vertical split screens showing lots of times one of them was scenery and one of them was uh, the James, James Franco's character and the other one being uh, maybe like his, his items or his objects that he had with him or something like that. And it, it showed a really good variety of what was going on there, just, you know, on, on one frame. One of my favorite shots was where uh, he is screaming for help when it first happened. And it, it kind of pans out from that uh, wedge between the two rocks uh, out to the desert, basically in the middle of nowhere, you know, because there's no one around. Um. I saw Buried earlier this year, a couple months ago, a month ago, and the two movies are pretty similar in a way. I mean, it's both a single character trapped in a location, and I thought both movies worked pretty well. It's just interesting to see how, you know, different directors, you know, the choices they make to tell a very similar story. I mean, one's obviously a true story, but I mean, the way it's filmed is pretty, is very different. And, you know, they're both great movies. I'm still unsure which one I like better because they're <laughs> both awesome movies. But um, they're very different in very similar style. I mean, very different styles, very similar movies in different ways. <laughs> that makes sense. Not really. Perfect sense. <laughs> now, throughout the movie, uh, you see James Franco kind of recording his his dilemma as it's going on yeah uh, kind of starting off as just i don't know did you get the sense that he knew what was gonna go I, down i got the sense that he thought there was a good chance he was gonna die and he was recording recording he wanted to talk to the people he loved one more time leave him a message i heard that uh, they actually danny boyle and james franco sat down and watched the actual footage that was taken by Aaron Ralston, right? Yeah, uh, and they watched that just to get that. That's like their their main that's source all that they could go by. That's well, their main. I mean, it's actually based on the book that Aaron Ralston wrote. I don't know how involved he was with the movie, but I think he, you know, they got the thumbs up from him to make the movie and everything. Yeah, but as yeah. far as like Franco's, uh, like his mannerisms and things oh, like yeah. that, I mean, it's like perfect to go by because they actually had footage of him in the little crevice there. Yeah, and I remember, John, you showed me the picture that 
Aaron Ralston actually took, and they used that the exact picture. Oh, that picture that he took uh, with the with the rock and everything left behind. Yeah, is that yeah. the picture referring to? The one to he him? took of himself after he cut himself. Mm, no, no. Oh. I think it was still attached, but he he took a picture of himself and it like the setup of every everything he put on top of the rocks, mm. all his equipment and stuff. Because everything was exact. Towards the end, when he finally freed himself, he uh, looks back and he takes out his camera and takes a picture. I'm guessing as a to remind him of what what he had just gone through. Um, I also like the part where he's this the way I I took it is like he was envisioning his future son, the little boy that he sees was, and he he's like you know what I you know I have to get out of here. There's more I, I need to do in the, in this life. I can't die. Well, they made reference to that uh, when they showed those flashbacks of him breaking up with his ex-girlfriend and uh, yeah you later see him envisioning his future and the way i took it was that you know he had something to live for he he, he wasn't prepared to die yeah and he was going to do whatever it took to uh, free himself from that rock yeah and at the point i guess just in case you haven't you don't know the story of aaron ralston and you haven't heard about this movie like spoilers from this point on he ends up cutting his arm off which was a very brutal scene. The sound they used when he cut to like his tendon or nerve or whatever that that was in his arm, I think it was a tendon or something. The sounds they used is like a ringing in the ears, and it was it really intensified the pain. You know, you could feel the pain he was going through when because <laughs> it's difficult to. I mean, how do you show what it feels like to get your arm cut off? I mean, you can show it visually, and it was pretty brutal, but the sound was. Right. Also, and we've been so desensitized to those types of things that it really showed the ability of Danny Boyle to, or who, whoever made that decision to put that sound in there, that they, you could really feel what was going on. There. Yeah, because I mean, you watch a million zombie movies and see guys' arms torn off and not care at all, but yeah, this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, now that you bring that up, I uh, I really enjoyed the fact that. Uh, they went through uh, a few a few <laughs> zombie movies. They went through a few hours where they kind of skipped ahead. You know, they're not going to film a 127 hour movie. But, uh, well, that's they, what I thought was <laughs> a film festival. Um, and they uh, it, they kind of go back to him recording himself on the camera and uh, talking about what he's what he's experienced so far and what he's tried. Uh, you know, making that hardness uh, to kind of push that or lift that rock off of his arm. And then they kind of show his arm, and they kind of show you that he had already been contemplating cutting tried, off his arm. He tried he it at first, a few, yeah. Uh, a few he thought of the there. idea, and then... But as a viewer, you don't know that he's even gotten to that point yet. Yeah. They kind of go back to it and make reference. Yeah. Oh, uh, another part I liked was when he was uh, filming himself, kind of like a game show... Or a talk yeah. show or whatever that what, what you, and he was just saying how big of an idiot he was. Like he didn't tell anyone where where he went. He didn't talk to his mom on the phone. And I think at the end he goes, "Oops." <laughs> <laughs> Probably the yeah. only uh, comical part of the movie. Uh, yeah. How did you? Uh, what did you get out of that? That he was just too proud. To tell anyone what he was doing, that he he didn't pick up his mom's phone call when he probably should have picked up the phone. Uh, makes reference to that. He didn't leave a note. Uh, actually, no. They show him uh, 
back to where he works, uh, kind of scanning a map of where he was going. He knew exactly where he was going when his boss asked him, you know, oh, where are you going this weekend? He said, I don't know. So he purposely didn't tell people where he was going. Uh, I don't know if it was a sense of pride or if he just is, is more of a, a personal type of guy who doesn't like to uh, share his thoughts. I think he was just very confident in what he, his abilities. That was his world out there. And I think he liked being alone and exploring nature rock climbing and that was who he was and he probably was a little too i don't know if he was being too proud proud isn't the right word but but i think he was just confident and he liked just being on his own and doing his own thing i think the uh, his character doesn't it it shows that his character uh really not so much doesn't care about what other people think but he, he just wanted to do his own thing pretty much yeah i agree i guess that's what i was trying to trying to say uh he was just doing his own thing in his own world and uh, didn't tell anyone what he was up to. Yeah, I don't think he was trying to prove anything to anyone. He just he just wanted to go out in nature and be himself, really, without anyone really uh, bothering him or whatever. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, think I we're guess, good. I guess that does it for our very first uh, episode on Focus on Screen. Um Oh, you can if you have any uh, questions or comments, uh, you can email us at focusonscreen at gmail dot com, or you can review us on iTunes. Or follow us on Twitter, right? Yes. Uh, Twitter at focusonscreen on Twitter. Great, that does it for this episode. We'll see you uh, next week. <laughs>